This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. We are, we are studying the book of Philippians. I really, really wanted to start in Philippians when we first started New Life. And man, the Lord just didn't let me. Uh, I, I always would start studying it and it was just not the right time. And I believe that the time for Philippians is now. And the reason why I wanted so desperately to get into Philippians is because there are truths in the book of Philippians that are so life-changing. In fact, Warren Wearsby said, if there was one book that Jesus was going to share to the culture of our day, it would be the book of Philippians. That God has, that God has placed some truths in here. Now, the writer is the Apostle Paul. We'll get into who he was. But he was inspired, which means God breathed by the Holy Spirit to write this letter to the church at Philippi. And so I want you to open your Bibles or take out your notes. And uh, we're going to just dive right in to this theme, Reach For It. And today, we're going to talk about Reach For Grace, okay? Reach For Grace. Can you say that together? Reach For Grace. Um, it's interesting that grace must be reached for. You say, no, grace is, is, is given regardless. Common grace is given regardless. But divine grace must be chosen, must be received. Uh, you could give someone grace uh, tomorrow on the freeway, and it doesn't mean they have to receive it well. In fact, sometimes when we do th- kind things for people, they get upset with us. And so grace is given but it's not always received the theme of this book is not just grace it's peace and joy in fact 19 times uh it's it's referred to uh it refers to joy 10 times it refers to peace we're going to talk about those different uh occurrences in fact we're going to take an entire sunday talk about peace and take an entire sunday and talk about joy Uh, we're going to talk about lots of different things today but today is just kind of an introduction to this book and i want you to notice that, that this opening sentence, this opening greeting, gives us so much information, and we could really spend our entire time in this, but I'm going to break it down in about 60 seconds for you because we don't have a whole lot of time. But I want you to read verse number one with me, and then we're going to break down each word in the sentence because I think sometimes we skim past these words and we don't realize why they are, they are all there. Number one, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. What does all this mean? Well, let's break it down, okay? Uh, Number one, it says Paul. Uh, Paul uh, was an apostle, meaning he uh, had talked with Jesus, and, 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 uh, but he was the greatest enemy of the faith, and now he was the greatest supporter of, of the faith. I think we have a chart that breaks down each and every one of these different words. Timothy uh, was a 25-year-old uh, uh, leader who, uh, who Paul used uh, in, in a great way to develop. Okay, so Timothy, uh, a man who would take over for Paul. Servants, 
That's what the followers of the way, okay, which before Christians were named Christians, Christ ones, they were known as the people of the way. Um, So servants, they would refer to one another as servants. In fact, that's where we get deacons, okay, a group of servants that desire to minister to the needs of of the body, okay, so that, that's where the deacons came from. It's because everyone was saying, I'm a servant, I'm a servant. They say, okay, here's some specific people who we've given specific tasks, uh, widows, fatherless, other needs. Okay, and then it says to the saints. Now, if you have a Catholic background, which much of our church does, then you will think that a saint is someone who has died, and then they just, you know, were brought into sainthood, right? I mean, they, they had done some special things, maybe done some miracles or whatever, and so they get a halo and a spot on the wall in a church, okay? And, and there, are, there are literally thousands of saints. Uh, in fact, St. Andrew, I, I believe, is the, is the saint uh, over uh, like past mistakes and, and things like that, I believe, or lost things. How many of you lose lots of things? Okay, you need St. Andrew. Um, uh, saint, I think it's St. Barbara, is the saint um, that is specifically uh, for fireworks, okay? So there's a saint for fireworks. Uh, there's also a saint, uh, Saint uh, Gageo, I believe is how you say it. It's the saint of unattractive people. I'm not making this stuff up. You can go research it on your own, okay? So, so there's lots of different saints. That's not the type of saints that we're talking about here, okay? We're not talking about just a, a, a person who the church says they were great a great person, okay? We're not talking about that. Um, We're talking about people who were set apart. The word saint means set apart, and it specifically is a term used in the New Covenant, which testament means covenant, okay? So in the New Covenant, the, the, the portion that we're reading today, which means after Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So now there's a new covenant that's taking place. Um, And that new covenant then describes those who are in Jesus Christ. So if if you're Buddhist, you don't say, I'm in Buddha. If you're Muslim, you don't say, I'm in Allah. Christianity is the only group of people who say they are in the founder. And it actually really has confused people over the century. But I am so thankful that I'm not just with Jesus, I'm in Jesus. And we're going to talk about in this series what that means to be in Jesus Christ. But that's what they referred to in just a succinct way to say saints. Okay? So it doesn't mean you're perfect. Uh, You know, when we say, uh, listen, all the saints, you know, I'm not, we're not splitting people into the saints and the ain'ts, as they used to say, right? So, so we're not saying, you know, we're perfect, we know Jesus, good luck to all you people who don't. No, we're just saying we have been set apart, not by what we've done, we've been set apart by what Jesus has done, right? Okay, so that's saints. And then it says a specific location. And I have to tell you, that the Lord allowed me to, to, to travel and, and, and someone provided a trip for Danielle and I to go and, and to go to this area. And I will tell you, when you go to Greece, uh, where Philippi is, and, and when you see this area, you, you realize this was a big deal when Paul went and landed in the metropolitan area of Philippi. In fact, I think we have a map. Okay, so he says the saints to the people in Philippi. So this is the Ionian Sea. 
okay? Um, and, and then the Aegean Sea, this is Philippi here, okay, way far away from Rome, okay? But, but he traveled from Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. He traveled then from Troas, which is right about here. That's where the, the Battle of Troas, for, for all of you historians, right, took place. But, but, then, he, but then he traveled across the uh, Aegean Sea, uh, to the, the, the Macedonian uh, area, which Macedonia was named after uh, Philip uh, Macedon. The, uh, uh, the, he was actually the father uh, of, of uh, Caesar Augustus, I believe, or one of the Caesars, Caesar the Great, I believe. And, um, and so lots of, lots of rich history there. But Macedonia now is a real small country, and, uh, but, but now it's all a part of Greece, and, and, and Philippi is in Greece. Now, Philippi is a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, ancient Philippi was about 10 miles inland, okay? But modern-day Philippi wraps all the way around uh, the city. And to this day, it still has terraced housing. Um, I think we have a picture of that all the way up in the hills. I mean, the, the houses are built all over the hills. That's how it was in Paul's day. So here he comes to this beautiful port town, this, this town that was the first town to mark a town in what we would consider Europe. So now the gospel is spreading into Europe, and, and he's talking to a specific group at Philippi. Now that's hugely, that, that's really, really significant, and, and it was ruled by Rome. We'll talk about all the significance of that later, but I had to lay that foundation. Okay, then he says bishops and deacons. Now we think of bishops like, you know, what is this, a chess match or, you know, very, very uh, Catholic sounding bishops. Well, the word bishop, okay, um, is, is just this, this Greek word that means a group of overseers or leaders inside the body of believers. Okay, so, uh, so we have a couple here of, of people who have just given their life. Uh, Pastor Joe, myself, um, and, and Pastor Isaac, some, some of the people who've just said, man, man I just want to do this. I want to provide leadership. I'm, there's nothing great about me, but, but man, I want to just serve. Uh, I, I want to provide some oversight. Okay, then deacons we already talked about. So this is the entire first verse, and I did it in not 60 seconds, okay? Uh, so I apologize. It took a little bit more time, but we laid the foundation. Then the next verse, verse number two, uh, says this. Um, verse number two says this. It says, grace be unto you. Can we say that? Grace be unto you. And that's a great way to, to, to say hello. Grace be unto you. Now, it might be a little weird, okay? So, uh, but that's how, that's how they would say hello. Grace be unto you. Grace be unto you. Um, now, when they say grace, what are they talking about? It, it's kind of confusing because there's two sides to grace. And uh, I remember uh, one of our first uh, small groups we were sitting there. I'm talking grace. We were going through a study, grace this, grace that, grace this. And, and, and oh, man, I'll never forget. Um, I think it was Edith. Uh, she, she raised her hand and she said, can you explain that? And, and man, I will tell you, when I started explaining it, I, I started getting excited. And, and that entire uh, lesson just was was, was about grace. But then the next lesson, we decided to talk about it again. And man, it was so great. And, 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 and so let me just give you a, a very, and I, I really want to be concise on this. Um, and, and so let, let, me, let me give you two aspects of grace, okay? When I say grace today or throughout this series, I'm talking about yes, saving grace. That's the beginning. Now there's common grace. That's, that means God's been good to the just and the unjust. God's good to people who hate him. God loves people who don't even love him. God loves people who are far from him. 
Uh, God loves people who don't believe in him. Okay, so, so that's common grace. Saving grace is undeserved favor toward those who are broken beyond belief, meaning those who realize they are broken beyond belief who realize that only Jesus can atone for their sins. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Why? Because Jesus is their creator. See, if you're sinning against the creator, if you're, if you're sinning against the lawmaker, if you're the lawbreaker and he's the lawmaker, okay, then you have to apologize to the lawmaker. You say, wait a second, it's already been forgiven. Why are you asking for forgiveness? No, no, no. You're claiming what he's already done. No, you're receiving the grace that he paid for, that he made possible by the death of his son. And so, yeah, we were, we were beyond, beyond repair on our own, but Jesus brought the, the, the grace, the saving grace necessary to repair our hearts and soul, to make us whole. You say, but I don't feel whole. Well, that's why there's two parts. After saving grace takes place, the moment of salvation, there's sustaining grace. And sustaining grace is divine enablement in those who rely on God's resources. Now, everyone in here is wired to want resources. Everyone in here. And by the way, if you don't have a, a, a reading plan, next week we're going to provide that. A, a specific reading plan. Uh, we're going to be reading through Proverbs. We're gonna, Proverb a day, uh, coordinating with the, 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 the day of the week. You know, so, so, you know, 13 tomorrow, so 13th, 13th proper, okay? Uh, we're, we're reading this week uh, the first seven verses of Philippians, reading it over and over again. Why? Because we want to meditate on it. What good is it if you can read through, you know, 15 chapters a day and you're not thinking on one truth to change your life? I believe that some of you, verse 6, when we get there in a minute, is going to change your life. I think it's really going to change your perspective on some things. But listen, that sustaining grace comes when we rely on God's resources. And so grace is a gift, but it must be reached for by faith. And if we're grateful, we'll reach out for it and receive it. And so here's the key thought. For, for, before we get started, when we are reaching for grace, we are winning our race based on a score that has already been settled. You're not reaching for grace so that you can win. You're reaching for grace because he's already won. He's already won, friend. You're, you're not reaching for victory. You're reaching from victory. We really should have named this series and this, 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 this whole uh, Theme, reach from it. But it would have been sounded a little weird. So we went with reach for it, okay? Because, because it's reaching for grace. But let me just, let me just set this, the tone. This is not about us. This is about Christ in us. This is about Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so there's, there's six aspects. Now, please don't get nervous that I have six points. I know some of you, when I said six, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. How long are we going to be here? We're not going to be here long, but I would just want to tell you something, that, that the next five verses, our, our, our six verses, are going to give us this template that we're going to unpack a bunch. So, so I'm going to say something, you're like, oh man, stay there. We're coming back to it because his opening, kind of his opening greeting okay, is there because he wanted to let them know where the letter was going. So we sign the letter at the end, right? So when you sign sincerely Ron or, or you know, sincerely Johnny or you, whatever you're writing a letter, you're, you're writing and you put the name at the end, okay? They didn't do that. They put the name at the beginning. This is who's writing the letter. Here's what it's about. 
So the first seven verses is the greeting and, and kind of the, the here's where we're going in the book. Okay? Now, it's really fantastic the way he did this because he said hello two different ways. We'll see this, okay? And, and, and we'll see it in verse number two. So let's look at verse number two before, before we get to the first point. Verse number two says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, yeah, that, that's what he said in almost all of his letters. That's not special. It's very special. Here's why. Because when we're reaching for it, we're reaching for it. Get it? The first one, peacefully. So reach peacefully. When you're reaching for your goals, if your goals create more anxiety than it does peace, you're doing it wrong. If, 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 if you're reaching for greater growth in the Christian life and it's not creating more peace and, and, and calm presence inside, whoa, 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 hold up. Pump the brakes. You're doing it wrong. I lived the Christian life a long time before someone said, wait a second. Oh, hold on. It, it's not about trying harder. It's not about working this thing up, friend. And so church, I want you to get this. We, we must reach peacefully. Grace enables us to reach for uh, whatever we're, 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 we're attaining, whatever we're receiving peacefully. Now, the peace is obviously from God, verse 2, but it's the grace that, that God gives that brings peace. Now, put up verse number 2 again because this is fantastic. When he says, grace be unto you and peace, he was writing to the Jews and the Greeks at Philippi. How do we know this? Because the Jews' greeting, okay, the way they would say hello is they would say, shalom. Can we say that together? Shalom. It just means peace be unto you. God's peace be unto you. But the Greek greeting, they would say, karas, karas. In fact, when you say thank you, it's eukaristo. So that's Greek, okay? You say, it's all, yeah, it's all Greek to me. Okay, I get it, I get it. Paul did something really brilliant. He used their greeting about kindness and grace, the Greek greeting, and he also used the Hebrew greeting to say, I'm talking to both of you. I'm talking to the people who, who, who are really religious, and I'm talking to the Greeks who aren't at all. I'm talking to the people who are really churched, and I'm talking to the people who don't like to go to church at all. I'm talking to the people who are all about the scriptures, and I'm talking to people who aren't sure. And by the way, I'm talking to people who aren't sure. <laughs> I'm talking to people who want to grow, and I'm talking, about people, I'm talking to people who don't want to grow. And I want you to know that you can have the peace of God but it has to come through grace. And so whenever you see him mention this greeting, grace and peace, notice grace comes before peace. Because you cannot have the peace of God without having the grace of God. It is a divine enablement that brings the peace of God. You say, oh, I need peace. Well, we're going to take an entire Sunday and talk about peace. But when you have a lack of peace or the presence of anxiety, as I've dealt with dozens, maybe even hundreds of folks who, who, who were suffering from anxiety attacks. And it's just, it, it's, it's crippling. But I will tell you, and there's sometimes, there's some medical things that need to be attended to, but I will tell you, most of the time, our anxiety is a result of a lack 
of God-given, God-enabled peace. And so he says, this is the peace that I want to give you. And I want, I want, I want to see what, what, what the word peace means. This is what the word peace means. We've talked about this before, but it's a reine. And it's, it's a compound word in Greek. It's, it's this arrow, which means to join, and reine or ene, which means together. It means to be inwardly undisturbed by external st- circumstances. You're like, that's exactly what I need. That's what I'm trying to say. But, but the last part, and I, I really love this because it says to be free from the bondage of worry. Can I just tell you something? Everyone in this room is in bondage to something or someone. <laughs> no, I'm the freest person in this room. Free to what? Free to work? No, they're telling you when to come in and when to leave. Uh, you say, well, it's America. Freedom, man. Let's, let's go. Come on, man. I don't challenge my freedom. No, I get it. We're free as in citizens, but, but we all bring ourselves into captivity of something. And see, what, what we're going to talk about tonight at Marie Curie Rec Center is what it means to bring your thoughts into captivity of Christ. Because when you place yourself into the captivity of Christ, you are just outside of the reach of anxiety. It's amazing when you say, no, God, I choose to follow you. It's amazing how anxiety starts to wane. But when you say, no, I want to do my own thing, it seems like anxiety catches up and it's like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I just want to do my own thing. Why am I so stressed about it? And, and God's trying to teach us through this passage that grace comes before peace and we can reach for it peaceably. And this is the key thought of, under this point is that, that peace is placing yourself into this captivity of Christ so we're outside of the reach of the depravity of anxiety. By the way, there's, there's so much depravity. There's so many problems. There's so many health problems. There's so many spiritual problems. And so you say, man, I can't come tonight. What does it mean to bring myself into captivity of Christ? It's exactly what I was talking about earlier. This is what it means to bring your thoughts into the captivity of Christ, as, as uh, tr- Paul said to the church at Corinth. This is what it means. Bringing into captivity every thought. This is what it means. So guys, put up the, the chart. Okay? It means, first of all, to sit in stillness and silence. If you are not willing to be silent, you are unwilling to listen to the voice of God. I'll just be honest. I I grew up with natural silence. Bless you. I I grew up with silence when I was having to work outside. I, I grew up with silence in the car, because we didn't have devices, and my parents didn't like listening to the radio. There was lots of silence. And I think it was a natural kind of a reset, and I started realizing that the more I infused the benefit of technology, the less silence I was actually experiencing. And so now, our culture needs to be intentional about our stillness, our silence. I'm gonna talk about all the commands in scripture about silence. It will shock you. Um, and so then we need to prepare to praise and pray. So many people just fling their prayers like, you know, man, God do this, God do that. God is not our butler. He is our friend. 
And we must enter into his presence with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise and, and, and to come with our supplications, uh, but, but to come and to lay them before him and, and to place our burdens at his feet. And friend, if we're not willing to sit in silence, our heart will not be prepared to praise and pray. And if we're not praising and praying, we're not having peace. You cannot have peace without prayer. You cannot have praise without, without uh, silence. And I will say this because we are unwilling to bring ourselves under the, 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 the realm of grace. And so therefore we do not have peace. And we're not medit- meditating on, on thoughts. Now you may be really brilliant and you can meditate on multiple thoughts a day. But I have found that the most Uh, the most traction that I can find in my Christian life is by taking one thought that stood out from Scripture. And it stood out not because I'm brilliant or not because I have great study tools. I'm reading the same Bible you guys are. But it stands out because God highlights that in my heart. You ever notice when something stands out? Every once in a while, man, I'll I'll preach a message and I'm like, man, that was... That wasn't one of my finer messages. Man, I, I really could have had things a little more concise. I could have been, I could have said this, or I could have said that. And it touches someone's heart, not because of me, because the word of God is quick and powerful. The word of God can do things in your life that, that no man, no shrink, no therapist could ever do. And so when you get the word of God in your heart, when you take one thought and you just meditate, drill down and think on that thought and write that thought out and put that thought on your phone and and over and over again read that verse over and over and over and over and over again and and, and when I come into a passage for Sunday morning and and, and these seven verses I probably read these seven verses 70 times because I just want that I want want to think about it, I want to know what God meant, I want to know what it means for me and then to be able to tell you but let me tell you if we're not meditating we're not seeing what God wants we're not hearing God's voice. We're not having God's peace. And so, this is what it means to give the peace of God a chance to permeate your heart and to rule your lives. So, reach peaceably, peacefully. Number two, reach gratefully. Grace enables us to reach our goals, to reach our vision, to reach for our values, to reach growth gratefully. Now we'll talk about this a little later, but, but gratitude is not because of the absence of grief. We're not just thankful because things are going well. Instead, gratitude is because of the presence of grace. True uh, understanding and awareness of grace brings gratitude. He says in verse number 3, He says, I thank God, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Yeah, you, the people who watched me get stripped naked and beaten with with metal rods. Yeah, you, the people who saw me chained uh, to the guards at the Philippian prison. Yeah, you, the, the, the people who I was embarrassed when I showed up and there was not enough men in the church to have church. And so he had church with the ladies. Praise Jesus. The ladies were there and ready for church. But man, where were the guys? Philippi. And then there were some men who got 
who got saved and ready to go, and, and he was so grateful for them. He wasn't, he wasn't, see, he wasn't grieving over what had happened that brought him pain. He was thankful for what happened that brought progress. And I will tell you, if we're resentful because of what happened in 2019 or before, we will never advance to the cause of Christ that God wants us to go. You cannot have advancement with resentment. You have to release the resentment to have God's advancement in your life. You want to grow together? So do I. we got to let go of some things. Forgetting those things which are behind, pressing toward the mark. And so here's a key thought, and that is this, that we must choose to forget our resentment in order to remember God's advancement. God has a plan. God has a vision for your life. Just as I shared the vision for our church, God has a vision for you, and it's very simple. It might be one or two things God wants you to do this year. But man, place that on your calendar. Place that in front of you and say, God, by your grace, I'm going to reach for these goals. If you haven't made some goals, make some goals. Set some things. And and uh, here, here's a great verse that spoke to my heart as I was spending some time for our anniversary with Danielle and, and we, were, we were reading some passages and, and, I, and I read this passage. It says, giving thanks always for all things, for God our Father and uh, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one another in the fear of the Lord. This is in the context of marriage. And I realized that giving thanks, if, if you're a man in this room, I would underline these things. It would be good for your wife, if your wife is here, for, you, for her to see you doing this. Um, giving thanks and submitting yourselves, those things go together. You know, the greatest way we can have mutual submission, by the way, I don't teach this, this weird doctrine of, of, of one spouse is valuable, more valuable than the other. I mean, that is so not biblical, but I will say that there is a mutual submission. We are submitting ourselves as unto the Lord. And the only way I can do that is through thanks, through gratitude. And so here's a marriage tip that, that, that the Lord, and through, the, through the 13 years that he's given us in marriage, that, that if I'm grateful for what she is doing, I'm not resentful for what she isn't. If I'm, if I'm being thankful for what God is doing in my relationship, I'm not focusing on what needs to be done. Now, you want to focus on what needs to be done, but you want to be thankful for what is happening, the positive. And, and God tells us to give thanks for all things. I hate that it says all things, because that includes all things. And, and there's some things that I don't want to be included in all things. But we give thanks. We reach gratefully. And so we, we do this because of an inner working of God's grace. So we reach peacefully. We reach gratefully. And then number three, we reach joyfully. Now, this theme of joy throughout this book is so beautiful. I want you to look at verse number four for me, or with me. It says, always in every prayer of mine for you. And I just want to tell you that if I, if I didn't have the privilege and honor of, of leading uh, our, our studies each week, I, 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 would, I would definitely not think it would be settling to just have the privilege and honor of praying for every one of you that I have your name. If I don't have your name, I, I'm not praying for you. I'm sorry, uh, but I'm not, okay? I would love to pray for you, but I, I would just say every, everyone who I have a name for, I pray for every week, and, and, and I, I take that as such a solemn privilege and an honor. But it brings me such joy to know not just that you would pray for me. You know what I've realized over the last few years starting new life? 
it brings me so much joy when I hear that you are praying for one another. There's so much joy. I can't explain the joy that I have when my boys are kind to one another. When they write each other notes, it actually, number one, is a miracle. (laughs) Number two, I don't know, there's something in me that just, I'm thankful for when my kids love each other. And I believe that God is thankful and that it brings us joy when we are responding and ministering to each other. And so he says, in every prayer for you, and my hope and prayer is that I'm not praying for you more than you're praying for yourself. I'm hopeful that I'm not praying for you more than your brothers and sisters in Christ are ministering and praying because I am not the body of Christ. You are. I am not the one that is supposed to be bringing your spiritual growth. You are. In fact, I'm the only one in this congregation that cannot call this my church. I've said that before. Because it is not my church, it's Christ's church, but you are a part of the body. I'm held responsible, okay, so I, but, but the process, okay, so, so I'm the kickstarter, but you're the system. And, and, and I'm telling you right now that if, if there's going to be joy, it's going to be you working on this thing of being divinely enabled to receive the joy, which is, by the way, a fruit of the Holy Spirit through the inner working of Christ. And it happens through the inner working of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the key thought from this. Happiness is based on what happens to us. We're going to take a whole message on this. Joy is the overflow from the object of our expectation and our faith. Simply put, Joy is fixed on Jesus. Happiness is fixed on circumstances. So if circumstances are good, you're happy. But happiness and joy are two totally different things. And so that's why Paul said, I'm I'm so joyful because because of the opportunity I have to pray for you. There were many trials. There were many difficulties. He wasn't painting it with rose-colored lenses and glasses. No, he was just saying, I am thankful for you because I have this inner working of the Holy Spirit that's making me joyful that I have the opportunity to minister to you and you can minister to me. So we're going to reach gratefully. We're going to reach peacefully. We're going to reach joyfully. Number four, we're going to reach dependently. Now, If I had to pick a most important uh, point, this would be it. Because if you're not willing to rely on God's way of doing things, you cannot have his resources. Remember how I said that we're all designed to reach for resources? Well, let me just say there's there's two options. You can use your resources. You can use the resources that the world gives. You can use the resources that you see and touch and feel, where you can say, God, I really want to tap into your divinely empowered resources. How do we do this? Well, through dependence. I want you to notice in verse number five, because it says this. It says, for your fellowship, 
This is the word koinonia. It's all throughout the New Testament. Um, your fellowship in the gospel, Elon Gelion, okay, good news, from the first day until now. Now, this may be, and I, I think I see some new faces, this may be a couple people's first time. Okay, so this is your first day. And almost every week, uh, we have had people here at New Life, and, and over 300 people last year, who they, they came and they had a first day. Everyone here had a first day. I had a first day. So we've all had a first day, but he says, from your first day until now, I'm really, really, really joyful and thankful for your fellowship, your partnership, your contribution in the gospel. You say, wait a second, I didn't contribute anything to the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the good news. Yeah, exactly. So what's he saying here? He's saying, wait a second, you are depending, you are placing your, your, your partnership, you're placing all of your eggs in this one basket, and that is in the basket of the gospel. That it is the death, burial, and resurrection that gives you the power, that gives you the grace, that gives you the divine enablement to do from the first day until now what you want to do. And so God's good news of grace is the greatest thing about you. It's the greatest thing about me. And it's the greatest reason to reach for abundant life. What Jesus did on earth proved who Jesus was, and now defines who we are and what we are to do as well. So as Jesus died, we're to die to self. As Jesus rose again, we're to seek new life. Every single day, we're dying to self, seeking his life. Dying to self, seeking his way. Dying to self, seeking his peace. Seeking his grace. And so we are reaching out for a life, but we are not doing it in our own power. We are depending on his power. So here's the, here's the takeaway. That is this. A truly dependent life is all in. It's all in. And it is a life that relies and identifies with something from start to finish. Now, let me illustrate this. When I was a, a you know, nine, ten-year-old boy, my uh, sisters had to go to piano lessons about an hour away, which was not much of a drive. In Iowa, everything's an hour away. It's kind of like if you have to go somewhere in L.A. County, I mean, it's, you know, oh, it's about an hour away, okay? So, so we would drive there, and I was so bored stiff because they both had a two-hour lesson because my parents didn't want to drive each, you know, week. So we would go, like, every other week, and they would do, like, a two- or three-hour lesson each. So, I mean, I'm sitting there bored stiff, and so I'd have to kind of make myself, you know, so we'd go, we'd play games, and, and they had a basketball court, and we'd play. Well, one of the first times... They said, hey, we have uh, a, a uh, ATV, a four-wheeler, and you can ride it anywhere you want. We have some trails, okay? And uh, this was, this was uh, a similar ATV, okay, clutch. And they said, you know, have fun. Go take it wherever you want. They're full of gas. We've got hundreds of acres. Go have fun. So what do you think the first thing I did when my, when my sisters went to piano lessons, what do you think the first thing I did? I went for the four-wheeler. That's great. Now, listen, we didn't wear helmets. It was a disaster, okay? I, I almost broke my leg twice. I mean, it was just, this was not safe, but it was fun, okay? Now, let me show you a quick video. This is what I, want, this is what I was so looking forward to doing, okay? Hopping on the video, or ho hopping on the, the um, ATV, and you'd go through the forest, and there's nothing like going through the forest right after a big rain. 
I mean, you're going and, and the mud's kicking up and then, and then you'll see kind of a dip in that you're like, man, I got to gas it because you, know, you hit the water and it splashes, cools you off. This is living, right? But I'm sitting back on the, the place and I'm trying my best. Now, I've ridden a lot of four-wheelers. I know how to start these things, but I could not get this one started. And the guy who, who, was, who was helping me he was gone. He was nowhere to be found. So I could not get it started. It was there. The guys put up the picture. It was sitting there. I'm sitting on it. I'm going nowhere. He, can't, he comes back at the end of my sister's lessons. He comes back at the end. And I said, I looked everywhere for you. Where were you? And he's like, I had to go to another farm. I had to pick up some supplies. And he's like, what, what was wrong? He said, I said, I couldn't start the four-wheeler. Now, for a nine-year-old, that's a, that is a terrible thing to have a four-wheeler that you can ride and to not be able to ride it. And he hopped on that four-wheeler and he pushed the clutch all the way in and he turned it right on. I had pushed the clutch part of the way in. I had pushed the clutch with all my might. Man, I tried, I tried. And I knew you had to push the clutch on, but I could not get it started. Now, let me just tell you, we're on day 12 of the new year. And you, you may be sitting there going, it's not going fast. It's not going anywhere. And I'm wanting to go places with God. And I'm wanting to beat that habit. And I'm wanting to, to make new habits. And I'm wanting to do some things that God, I know, wants me to do. But I'm not going anywhere. And let me just say something. That dependence is all in to get it started. You got to be all in. You say, well, I just want, no, 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 no. That's not how the Christian life works either. You're all in for God or you're not. You say, now wait a second. I mean, come on. Are, are you talking about perfection? No, here's what I'm talking about. I'm saying, God, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Every single day, pushing the clutch in, allowing God to engage the gears of his grace to enable you to do what you cannot do. This is what Paul meant, and we'll study this in, in future studies, where he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto me, unto his death. I mean, he said, listen, I, I, I know that he died and, and he rose again, but I want to die with him. I want to be raised with him. By any means I might attain under the resurrection of the dead. He said, listen, I'm all in. As Christ was all in, I'm all in. I want to depend on him. So you say, how do I do this? Well, verse number six. Not only reach dependently, but we reach confidently. We can be confident in this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Christ. That day when we meet Christ he will perform it. You say, I can't push the clutch in. Exactly. You say, I, I, I can't get things started. Exactly. You say, I started, but it, it's not going well. Exactly. We can be confident, not in our ability, but in his ability, because if he started a good work in you, and by the way, if you have never trusted Christ as your personal savior, he has not started a good work in you. But if you have, if you are chosen, as we sung earlier, if you are a, a, a forgiven child of God, meaning you've received the grace that he offered, you received it by faith, 
you have, he has begun a good work in you. And he will perform it. What does that mean, perform? Well, it definitely means that I'm not performing if he is. I want to show you what this word perform means. The word perform means, um, it means to complete, to accomplish, but it means to slowly bring to completion or erect brick by brick, to finish what was started, to perfect something with many little changes. Now let me just say something. If I were to tell you, and this is roughly 360 360 pieces of paper, 366 pieces of paper. And if I were to tell you that if I set this down, let's say on a stool or a chair, one second. Who knows what I'll pull out of there. And and if I were to tell you that that's significant, you could sit on that and barely feel it. And if I said, okay, well, we'll put 10. (laughs) It's not going to do anything. But if I say that if you took just 20 minutes, 21 minutes to be exact, seven minutes of silence, what's that going to do? Seven minutes of prayer? I need a lot more than that. What kind of compromising church is this? Seven minutes of Bible? Talk about 70 minutes. That's what I spend. I'm talking seven minutes thinking one thought. And I'm not saying that it's going to change your life in 21 days. I'm saying that in three months and four months, in nine months, by next year this time, you're going to see some growth. And it's not going to be growth because of how awesome you are or how awesome I am. No, no, no. We can be confident because of how awesome he is. And he is awesome because he's given us his grace. And we do this not alone. We do it collectively. So number six, we do it collectively. We reach collectively as a group. And I just want to skip past some of my notes just to say, you can look it up and and, and read verse seven. We'll cover it next week some. But let me just say something to the church. I just want to be really vulnerable with you right now. And and we've taken a few few extra minutes and I appreciate your patience. We're, We're closing we're done I have made a mistake as your pastor and I will make many but I I hope that when I do make a mistake that I'm that I'm open and honest enough to tell you not a moral mistake not not a character mistake but something that I that I didn't notice and that I have noticed and what this verse says and the next verse says and you can, you can study it on your own. I, unfortunately, I don't have time to break it down. But it, but it basically says that there is a specific portion of the mission that God designed you to have. And I have been doing a lot of that mission 
And there's been a few people who has been doing a lot of the mission. And what, why that is so bad is not that, you know, we're, you know, we did it on purpose or whatever, but what it does is it robs you of the opportunity of having and experiencing God's grace because this was meant to be a family business. This was meant to be a family business with a shared mutual mission and that mission was never meant to be done by me or by my wife or by Pastor Joe or any one of, of, of our really competent team members. The church was never meant to be a, a, a place where 80% of the people aren't doing anything and 20% of the people are doing everything. And it is my fault. I take the blame for it. And I will tell you that one of the things that is going to change is for whoever would like it, I am going to share the mission. I am going to share every part of this place. Not because, because you know, I don't want to do it anymore. No, I, I'm as all in as I've ever been. I'm so thankful to serve here. But I realized that God has placed everyone here. And if, if you're brand new, listen, I'm so thankful that our team can, can allow you to come. And, but I, I'm talking to the people who are here. This is your church family. I want you to know that the mission is yours. It's ours. We are reaching collectively. And we are reaching by God's grace. And it is God that will work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so here's the takeaway. And it is this. That with grace, what once seemed just out of reach, by the way, there are a lot of things in 2019 that I was like, wow, that's out of reach, and God just placed them right in front of us, will be just within our grasp. But they will not be within our grasp because of how good we are. It will be within our grasp because of how good God is and because of the grace of God. But you cannot experience the grace of God inside your comfort zone. Grace and faith operate only outside of your comfort zone. And so we're going to reach. It's going to be a stretch. And, and we're going to reach together because this thing was not meant to be a solo mission. It was meant to be something we do collectively together. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Five New Life. Have an amazing day.